After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Now a special presentation for you. Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Hot Street Boys Podcast. With your hosts, Derek, How you gonna get about it? John, Johnny, you know, and producer Unnecessary, but totally necessary. What's not to love? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to your favorite off-season podcast. This is the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I'm joined by... And I'm John. What's going on, everybody? Yep, we're joined by John, as he said. We're also joined by the two Mats. That's just... We've dubbed you guys the Mats at this point. We all... Everybody listening knows you guys. <laughs> Matt Hoagie. Matt Hoagland, I should say. And then Matt Casey as well. We'll start with Hoagie. How you doing, brother? Good. What's going on, guys? And Matt Casey. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Glad hey, to have Derek, you guys back. I kind of like... Derek, I kind of like the idea of changing up Hoagie's name, though. Sandwich. I really think it's a nickname that should stick. What about, like, Blimpy? Can we call you Blimpy? No, a... Sandwich. Oh. <laughs> Maddie Wawa Hoagland. Maddie Wawa Hoagland. There it is. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, think about it. When's the last time, I think it was the round table that we were all together? And, I mean... We all know how that episode turned out. That was really when the Flyers not started to play crappy, but when everybody started realizing it, and it was just a complete you-know-what show. So it's good to have you guys back on at a neutral time of year, I guess we could say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see how it goes, but we do have a lot of topics to cover tonight. We want to talk about the exit interviews, which we all kind of... um, glanced at and shrugged our shoulders and you know all the bs status quo stuff you expect to hear we're going to talk reactions to those we're going to talk av year one year two comparisons the rest of the coaching staff we're going to cover it all really from top to bottom but first we want to start with everyone's thoughts i want to talk about with you john first i'll go to you because you are the co-host you know and if i don't go to you first you're going to get mad at me um true your thoughts just overall on this past season, sum it up for us. How do you feel now that the 2020-2021 season's over? So I think that everybody's like go-to answer is disappointment or whatever. And I, so I wanted to come up with something different. I hope they learned something. I think they went into this season with the approach of we have all of this young talent this young talent is going to take the next steps in their progression and we're going to bank on it. And they did that with five or six players. And obviously that didn't work out. And that's where there was this major gap because all of a sudden you're relying on players that are just not bringing what you expected. So I hope that Chuck Fletcher 
and anybody else who's making decisions takes something away from this and goes, okay, we cannot count on that this time around. We have to maybe bank on Provorov going back to form, maybe Lindbaum taking the, the next step now that he has his season back. But we can't just rely on every young player to step up because that didn't work this year. So I really just hope that they learn something here. Spoken like a true teacher. <laughs> true that. Right. What do you think about this, Hoagie? Uh, t- thank God it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I had such high hopes in the beginning and yeah, they were, they were stringing together wins and, and putting together some okay efforts. And then it just, we just kind of hit that like mediocre hill and just like, you know, just kept on sliding down that muddy, muddy entrapment. And it was just, it was just bad towards the end. Like it was, we've talked about it. We didn't even want to watch this team play because it was, they were that bad. Um, yeah, thank God it's over. I'm like John said. I hope we learn something from it, and I hope we can build off of this as a stepping stone and just you know be the team that we we know they can be. I don't know if they know it. <laughs> Let's hope they find out honestly, because I'm sick and tired of this. Uh, Matt Casey, how about you, man? What have you learned from this Flyers team this season? <laughs> so look, all the all the standard words that everyone's saying disappointed frustrated you know honestly i feel like charlie brown trying to kick the football at this point where you know it's like oh we made the playoffs we made another round whoop lucy damn you again (laughs) um and so in a weird way now i mean when was the last game was it last monday or two mondays ago i I don't even know it was last Um, last monday this past monday Um, last monday i'm relieved and my head is in a much better place because i was like just sitting there watching my like kid get tortured for, for you know for for three months three months in a row there and then finally i'll throw this you know i think john makes a great point about hey what did we learn you know we can't just count on guys progressing especially in a just perfect storm season of awfulness i, I have a weird sense of optimism and it goes along with what you said john and that like hey we, we know that what that was does not work now it's a test of can Chuck Fletcher, can AV, can, you know, everybody within the organization understand that this was a failure from top to bottom, from David Scott all the way down to, I'm sure the equipment manager screwed something up and we'll blame him too. But like <laughs> from top to bottom, from, you know, front office, general manager, coaching staff, um, players, and then, you know, whoever else is in there. But um, there was one moment in the last game where Farabee scored it, it must have been the second goal, which got him to 20 and he and Allison, I mean, I've never seen so two kids, you know, Allison's a little bit older, but they were, they were pumped. They were like genuinely pumped for, for each other. Um, and I was just like, you know what? There's a little bit of optimism in me that like some of these young guys actually might pan out. Not all of them. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that, but a little bit of optimism there. It's a good point. I mean, think about it. These guys are the future of this team. You know, Fairby showed this year that sophomore slump just doesn't exist with him, apparently, which is fantastic. And then Wade Allison had a few good games. You know, he came up, showed his promise. You can see it with Lehigh Valley this past week. He had a fight, what was it, the other night. He tried to go after uh, P.O. Joseph for Wilkes-Barre Scranton, and he wouldn't go. Another guy stepped up, and he just hammered him. And then after the game, he's like, oh, well, he's a little guy, da-da-da-da, props. And I'm like... That attitude, like that little glimpse of like edginess to him, I'm like, I think we have a solid piece moving forward. And seeing that type of chemistry with a guy like Joel Farabee gives us hope for the future. You know, what little hope it is, but still hope nonetheless. Um, on a grander scale here, though, I want to talk about just overall team performance as a whole. Um, we look at some of the numbers here with... The Flyers finishing 15th in goals for per game, middle of the pack. Goals against and goals against per game, they were dead last. Their power play was 19th. Their penalty kill was 30th. And they had the 15th most goals for. I mean, you're looking at a mediocre to subpar team at, at best. You know, you look at the years past and how they did, and we'll get into that. Like Matt was saying, we'll get into that type of stuff later on, but like, 
there's a big jump from last year about how they performed in those areas. And you wonder why. Like, you can't just say, oh, well, Matt Niskanen. Oh, Tyler Pitt. Like, like okay, we missed a couple people. But that's that's a big jump. That's a steep cliff right there that they fell off of from last year. Like, again, the disappointment rings true. But, like, is there really that much hope leading into next year for you guys? I'm going to start with you, Matt Casey. I want to bring it back to you real, real quick. Right now, there's a glimmer of hope in my eyes. And, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go root for the Devils? Like, no. Like, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is my team. Like, what, what, you know, let, let the boy watch. And uh, we just, we're seeing Hoagland's wife in the background here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and so there's... I totally lost my train of thought now. <laughs> there, there's the the disappointment factor. There's you know the lack of personnel in there, but um, you know there is a glimmer of hope. And I mentioned the Allison and Farabee um, moment in there. I don't think I can be really optimistic, fully optimistic until the end of July, until I see what actually happened. And I was actually thinking about. It, I was like. Is are we a rebuild? I don't think we are, and I, I don't think that that's the case. Do I think we need some vital pieces to change? Absolutely. And I was like, how how do you make this happen? And I looked, I would start thinking about trades. The most you know gut wrenching trades in my Flyers tenure is uh, you know seeing Mark Recchi shipped off, but we got Eric Desjardins, Desjardins and John Leclaire. It's like that worked out well, and then Recchi came on back, and so. I do think there needs to be a cultural shift. There needs to be a locker room shift. Um, and, and I do think there's going to be a coaching shift as well. Not a main coaching shift, but a sub-coach shift. So what do you have to say about this then, Hoagie? Uh, I'm not going to be optimistic, that's for sure. Uh, the, this team really dragged me through all types of deep, dark places this season. <laughs> it it was it was bad. I mean, I, you went uh, on a bender halfway through the year, so like I, I get it, I understand. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like the, the point where I was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> this has to happen. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm gonna go into next season, which just kind of like a open mind to see. Yeah, I, it all depends on what happens this all season. Like, like Matt said, it's. It's it's the flyers of old that we that we got so used to, and like two years ago, we we're like, all right, now, now we're kind of trending in the right direction. Now we're back to that regression where it, I just hate to see it. I, like we're watching teams that thought were worse than us, as in like the Rangers and other teams that are progressing to where we should be. And I mean, it's it's just upsetting. I mean, we all knew that. A good team was going to miss the playoffs this year in the Eastern Division, and I don't think that's true anymore because the Flyers were not a good team. <laughs> so that's uh, that's where my mind's at. My mind is at. All right, John, you've been chomping at the bit here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, everybody knows this by now. I'm pretty pessimistic when it comes to this kind of stuff. I like to think of it more as realist but it is comes off pretty pessimistic i just personally feel like there's too much that needs to be done i just feel like you know they've got to address this they've got to address that they've got to change the culture they got to shed salary there's all of these things that need to happen and i don't know if i could count on like the best general manager to get all of that done let alone somebody who you know, in his tenure is quite complacent and he just kind of goes through the motions and makes little moves and mediocrity seems to be the theme with this guy. So I have a hard time really buying into the changes that need to be made, all being made in order for this team to be a a playoff contender next year, you know, and not a team that's just going to go one round, but a team that could go two to three rounds. I'm just, I'm a little worrisome that there's too much to do and I don't necessarily trust the people who have to make those decisions at this point. And we haven't really been given a reason to trust uh, aside from, you know, trading for the rights to negotiate with Kevin Hayes, bringing in Matt Niskan and like good moves, but then you see him face a bit of adversity coming into this season, not making any moves, not addressing the Niskanen role. That was tough. 
So you're on a, you know, was it like a seesaw as a kid? Like you don't know where to be here. You know, you're kind of tempering your expectations heading into next season. But of course, we speak about heading into next season. The coaches gave their exit interviews this past week. We heard from Chuck Fletcher. We heard from, heard from Elaine Vino. We heard from a, a majority of the players, uh, not named Jake Voracek. Interesting. Um, but don't look too far into that. Like Chuck Fletcher says, let's not overanalyze here. Um, let's just talk about some of the quotes and some of the just overall takes from these exit interviews. And I'm going to go back to you, John. What's one of the biggest things you took from... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Let's start with Chuck Fletcher. You know, if you have something that you took from Chuck Fletcher, like I want to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I think it actually just kind of came from both of them. I mean, we could say Chuck Fletcher, but it was the theme that they kind of both went with. And I, we all know what I'm talking about. It was the COVID theme. I mean, it was COVID created this abnormal season it put us in a really tough position and these are all of the you know struggles that we went through um now obviously that was going to affect the season i I don't think anybody can deny that right but at the same time it was almost as if it only happened to them the way he was talking it was like no one else went through what we went through. And and that's just not the case. You knew he was going to mention COVID and the changes to the season. I wish that he just did it differently. And Derek, you and I have talked about this kind of off the air. I wish he just said, listen, we knew that this season was kind of going to be a crapshoot. He'd probably choose better words than that. So I decided not to make many moves during the off season because I just didn't know how this year was going to pan out with all of the covid crap going on if he just came out and said that where he just wanted to kind of stay the course because of the bizarreness that he was about to jump in into i think i would have respected it a little bit more but regardless if this was just a reason or an excuse if there's a difference it just came off as though he was making excuses that were outside of the team's control and that's why they stunk but to your point, too, you say about how, you know, you enter a year like this, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding it. You know, let's roll the dice. Let's just kind of see how things pan out with the way the team is. You run the risk of wasting an entire year of a player's career. A guy like Giroux, a guy like Voracek, who, you know, those guys were tied for the team lead in points this year. So right. you're not just like, you're not even just using house money. Like you're using... I don't even know how to explain this, so I apologize. I'm not even going to rant about it. But that's, I mean, that type of mindset is more harmful, I feel like, to this team than anything. And I feel like that... But Derek... Okay. Oh, no, go go ahead. ahead. I mean, go finish what you were going to say. I was going to ramble, so just go. (laughs) Whether or not he is going to admit it, though, I think that's exactly the mentality he took going into this season. Mm -hmm. I think that in his mind, he was going, this year is going to be a wash. I don't think that he put in... The, I don't want to say the work, but I hope you all know what I mean. But it's like I don't think that he put in the same amount of effort that he would in a regular, you know, off season like because he just kept, yeah, due diligence. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just because he in his head was going, well, this year is shortened with COVID. We don't know if we're going to make it through the whole year. Then we have the expansion draft coming up. So I just think his brain was not in. We're going to go and win it this year. Now, that's part of a bigger problem to me, personally. I, I mean, because that shouldn't sit well with some of the players that are getting up there in age. And let's toss it, to, Ho- let's toss it to Hoagie here real quick. If that is let's, – let's kind of roll with this here, uh, see where it goes. If that's Chuck Fletcher's mindset and he wants to kind of just burn this year and just say, okay, it's a wasted year, we rolled the dice, we didn't win, are you worried about Chuck Fletcher and his capabilities to be the GM of this team? Yeah, I mean, if if you're taking that that mindset going into a year like this, it's just not going to work out. I mean, regardless of, of what is going on in the world, um, 
I mean, I think he's afraid of the flat cap that is everywhere, and I think he's also afraid of the of the expansion draft as well. He didn't know what to do. He didn't want to bring on bring on another guy, a skilled guy, and have too many up in the air type of who should I keep, who should I expose to this draft. He didn't want to lose too many. Um, but I mean, I I don't think that's how you should run this team. I think you you have to you have to gamble that way. You have to play in this cards. And mm-hmm. if you lose a player, you lose a player. I mean, it happened with Vegas. All all types of players went to Vegas and look what they did their first year. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure all those teams are kicking themselves in the butt saying, I shouldn't have exposed that guy. What am I doing? So mm-hmm. I mean crap like that is just on the happiness. You just have to bite the bullet and, and go with it. What do you think about this, Matt Casey? I just keep going back to thank God we didn't do anything big at the trade deadline in terms of trying to acquire. Like, if you're going to go this route of this season a wash, then I'm I'm so glad that we didn't try to make some kind of blockbuster move to fall short of the playoffs and you know go from there. It's like. like Look, this year was a wash, and this year it had excuses upon excuses upon excuses. Um, and I don't think there's anything that Chuck and AV could have gotten up there on that podium short of saying, like, hey, we traded Nolan Patrick, Nicholas Ave Coupel, and, uh, and, and Iron Man Bobby Haig for, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of it, for Seth Jones and, and Patrick Lineck. Patrick, yeah. Patrick Pierre Luc right. Dubois. It's like <laughs> and and they're and and their the respective teams are taking half their salary. Like there's nothing short of that that would have made this fan base happy. Um are any of us happy that it went down this way? Absolutely not. But I think like the expectations last year were built up to a point that it was, you know, a, a little bit we were set up to fail. I don't think this team as it's constructed and out as it was constructed this year, uh, would have been, been a contender one way or the other, even if we had made the playoffs. Uh, um, so I think it's like, okay, this is done. This year sucked. Excuses are done. Wh- what do we do? Like, this is this is the offseason. All right. right. John's got a point here. Yeah, and then, Derek, I kind of want to kick it to you and see what you think about this. Okay. But we keep talking about changing the culture of this team, right? We need to change the culture. Don't you think the first a good first step would have been accountability? <laughs> Just go no. out there during your exit interview and sound accountable. I just feel like you can't change the culture of this team if you're just going to keep on piling on reasons outside of your control that led to your demise. Even if you believe it, go out there and take, you know, just take accountability for what happened say hey i should have done this hey i you know we messed up here then maybe that will trickle through the locker room so derek i don't know man do Put i sound big crazy pants on. big boy pants on the big yeah, boy pants no i mean yeah accountability should be number one in this locker room right now because it, throughout the entire season it appeared to us that this team lacked just that it was accountability right. and you know to me, at least, just reading through the transcripts, you don't get to see the 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 uh, um, the hand motions. You don't get to see the look in their eyes. You don't get to see how they say these things. But you can only go off of what you're seeing on these transcripts. It seemed to me like Av took some accountability. I'm not going to say he took it all, which I don't think he should have to take all right. accountability. But he took some. He seemed genuine, and he seemed to be able to answer these to the best of his abilities and just give reasons, I should say reasons, as opposed to excuses, like you were mentioning before, John. He seemed to be giving reasons as to why, like, okay, this didn't work out, this didn't work out. You know, but the one thing to me that stuck out, like, and maybe this, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but this caught my eye. There was somebody that asked Vino, uh, I'm looking at it right here, if this season caused him to think about not coming back and like speaking from a person who's been in these press conferences that's asked questions that's you know been part of scrums and things like that that takes a lot of balls personally like to ask the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers if he plans on coming back like 
This is year two of a five-year deal for this guy. You you think one year like this is going to have him thinking, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't do this, especially after last year when they had a, a moderate amount of success. You know, is that – let's kind of tangent off just a, real quick. Matt Casey, you've got your hand raised, it looks hand. like. Yeah, this isn't <laughs> Zoom. Come thing. on. Look at that. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on that? Um <laughs> <laughs> So I number one, the reporter who asked, because I re-listened to it today, he actually did a follow-up on it as well. He was just like, just so I'm clear, like, <laughs> you know, are you saying that if if uh because AV's answer was basically if there was a regular season, like that's what I want to be here for. And he was like, you know, four questions later, he's like, just to be clear. If there's not a regular season, do you not want to be here? Like that's basically what the, the is this Sealski like, is this Sealski digging for another story? <laughs> it wasn't Sealski. I can't remember who it was. Though. It was our favorite beat reporter, Sam Karshidi. Uh, mm, that makes sense. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I mean, that's number one. But like, I actually look. Av said he was like, I feel like I let everybody out. It's like, dude, you did. You let everybody down. And like, I hate to be a dick, but like. You let everybody down. I'm glad you realized that instead of being like, hey, we had a, you know, we got a solid core. We can really give it a punch. It's like you let people down and it's not talked about them. But like ultimately that's accountability right there. Right. Um, I do want to see what AV does with the full season. And like, you know, I do think this is going to be a kick in the ass for everybody involved. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that that lights a fire. But. <laughs> What about and you, John? To, and yeah, to be clear, for at least for me personally, I have all the faith in the world that AV is going to come out next year, ready to right this wrong. I, I really, he's not my worry. It's the general manager. I, I really think that AV is as disappointed as everybody else. You know, probably the most disappointed because he strives for excellence. I think he's going to do everything he he needs to. I'm worried about Chuck Fletcher giving him the pieces that he needs to make that happen. So speaking of pieces here, I want to get to a quote from AV, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it here. Like that song from uh, Ashley Simpson. I thought we had gotten past this. I really thought we had gotten past this with the the singing and everything. Well, Mark, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You know, I always thought it was Reese's Pieces. God, this is this is unbearable. Can we take accountability for this podcast? <laughs> I'm gonna chuck flusher this I'm one and just it. blame it on COVID. Um, oh, come on, y'all like Ashley Simpson? You know it. I thought she was gorgeous, but that's neither here nor right. there. Uh, this AV quote, and again, I'm paraphrasing. He mentioned about the lack of practice. He mentioned about with that lack of practice comes watching these younger players start slipping a little bit, not having the time to work on it in a practice setting and not having the practice time and you know essentially kind of saying okay it was the younger players that suffered because of this but I want to point out real quick the youngest team in the league as according to the the uh the starting 20 is the Colorado Avalanche can anybody tell me which team in the NHL had the most points during the regular season Colorado Avalanche so there you go who are the Colorado Avalanche? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they're a very good young team. I mean, we're looking at a median age of, I think it was like 26-something 20, point. I don't know. I, you know, I looked this up earlier this week. But, no, it, it, it almost nullifies AV's point because, yep. okay, yes, the younger players slip. I get that. It's adjusting to the game. It's becoming acclimated to the style that the NHL plays. Is it just that our younger players aren't, not necessarily cut out for it, but like aren't at the same level that Colorado's guys are. And I want to get your opinion on this, Hoagie, first. On AV or the young guys? <laughs> Just in general, like what do you, when he when he says something like that, and then you're presented with the fact that Colorado's the youngest team in the league, but they were the best team in the league during the regular season. I mean, we've been watching Colorado just gain traction year after year like we've been wait we've been waiting for this team to finally take that next step to have the most points in the league i mean they're one of my favorite teams on the west coast i'd like 
they're on, they're unbelievable. They have the star they have the star power forwards. They know what they're doing. I think it's a crap excuse from AV that the young guys can't do it. I mean, our we had a sophomore Joel Farabee score twenty goals, mm-hmm. leading the team. Like that's that's crap. Like he he is one of the youngest kids on the team, and he's per, he was producing night night in night out, and like. I think it's I think it's crap. I think AV was just making excuse after excuse, just trying to get through that exit interview, just because he knew he's gonna get piled on with all these questions. And I he did say I need to fo- what he's I'm paraphrasing. He needed to focus more on himself this off season. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have that quote in front of you, Derek, but it was I something along those lines. I have to he I had to self he has to self reflect during office off season like. What? That's that's everybody's should, thing these days. Like, let's not should, actually fix something. Self-reflect. You should focus on the team. <laughs> like, Let me self-reflect with a martini and just kick back. <laughs> Underwater basket weaving. Maybe. John will fill us in here as the off-season rolls on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, Do some yoga and get us some wins, for God's sake. Come <laughs> <Exactly. So long. laughs> That kind of, like, kicks me in the nards. Like, oh, no, I'm not going to focus on the team. I'm going to focus myself. And they're like, no. Nah. No, you should focus on your team and try to help your GM kind of get you the right pieces. To get <laughs> Listen, as, as somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about themselves, it doesn't actually work. Exactly. <laughs> Just say it. Spoken like if a true it, narcissist. Works, I would be a billionaire <laughs> yeah. at this point. Exactly. I'm not surprised by that comment by John whatsoever. All right, Matt and, Casey and doesn't have his you. hand raised, but he's going to talk here. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There we go. Okay. If, yes, if it worked, if it worked, then Carter Hart would have been the best goaltender out there because he did a lot of self-reflection. That kid, you know what? I feel for him. He's mm-hmm. 22 years old or whatever, and like sat in his apartment just stewing in like pure. I let my team down. I'm just like, oh man, that's you know, when I was 22, I was doing all sorts of terrible stuff. <laughs> None of it was that. But um, <laughs> you know, I'm interested to hear actually what you guys think about. AV's comment, I, I can't remember, I think it was AV and Chuck who both mentioned the, like, the Canadian players essentially coming in out of shape. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was waiting for this one to come up. Yeah. Blame like, what, what's, what, what's, the, what's the take there? It's South Park, you know, blame Canada. What, what more is there? <laughs> that was the one thing I tweeted out. I'm like, I can't believe anybody hasn't thought of this yet. Like, this is perfect. But it makes sense. Like, I shouldn't say it makes sense. It's It's logical. Because the shutdown in Canada, you know... Dude, 75% of the league is Canadian. You're right. And I'm not arguing with that. I'm just saying, like, again... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy... The tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Is it a reason or is it an excuse? You know, because for us, it's an excuse. You know, but, you know, it is logical because the U.S.-born players and the guys that were here in the States... It was easier for them, and they had better access to ice time, facilities, weight rooms, training, this, that, you know. In Canada, it was a little tougher. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that to give these guys a pass. 
I'm just saying, like, stating it kind of as a matter of fact. I, okay, and if, and I don't know, maybe this is the case, but if, like, 75% of Canadian players had a down year in the mm-hmm. NHL, I'm not talking about on the Flyers, because 100% of every player had a down year on the Flyers. Mm-hmm. I'm a 99, Joel Faraby. But if, <laughs> if that's the case, okay, I'm willing to hear that. But I highly doubt that they put in the research necessary to actually make that claim valid. Like, okay, so now is it only the Canadian players that were in playing for the Flyers that happened to have this issue? No, it was everybody. Because... Look at Connor McDavid, terrible year. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, but he yeah. stayed in Canada. But he stayed in Canada. Yeah, stayed in Canada. So, you know, oh, man, he only had 100 and, you know, what, 606 points? Like, that schmuck. (laughs) To me, man, it just sounds like they were just picking for anything to kind of, you know, make it sound like, hey, no, it wasn't just us sucking. Mm -hmm. But can I just quickly (laughs) go back to we were talking about Carter Hart kind of just in his room (laughs) just just started thinking about like him dimming the lights and listening to Sarah McLaughlin if this is how you're going to work singing into this damn episode go five oh my god (laughs) he's just like like Sarah (laughs) McLaughlin's in the background and he's texting his teammates Sorry, G, I let that one through, buddy. Like, that's all on me, man. I'm I, I, sorry. I'll be better. It, instead of like saving the animals, Carter's like, God, how did I how did I not save that fuck? He's he's picturing Voracek like wet in a box, just like moping. I'm tempted to just pull the plug on this one. This is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> it took left turn hard. Oh, it took a sharp <laughs> left turn. <laughs> oh lord, this I don't even know great. how to get back on track fantastic. here. Right, somebody's like, somebody's like shocking Prover up in the corner. <laughs> oh my god, here we go. This is it. This is the last episode of Pod Street Bullies here. We're canceled. <laughs> wow. Okay. okay. Are, what do we are, want to talk about? Are we ready? Are we ready to move on here, fellas? Sw- Hoagie's got a point here. <laughs> I want to swing back to the players in Canada type conversation. Someone followed that question up with, if players don't want to go back to Canada during this offseason, are you going to suggest otherwise? Or you don't make, or you going to tell them other plans to stay here? And they kind of were like, yeah, no, they should stay in the, in the U.S. to train. Like, I think that's a bunch of crap. Like, let them do whatever they want. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't tell know, a guy man. you can't live there, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm sort of like, I'm on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, if I think everybody realized this was a crap year and that can't happen again. And so, like, go home, be with your family for a month, but, like, get your ass back to, to beautiful Borges at the end of July and, like, you better... You better start start working your ass off and showing it because, like, I think it's just going to be a pretty short leash moving forward. And yeah. I think, especially with the younger guys, it's going to be a shorter leash. It's like, hey, man, like, what were you doing until September eighteenth, mm-hmm. like up in up in Montreal or whatever? As it should be, though, you know, considering the results of this past off season and this past season altogether, like, there should be short leashes for everybody at this point. You know, there there's requirements, there's demands, there's things that need to be met, and it, it's not being met at this point. You know, so that's the frustrating part. But one last thing I want to get you guys' opinion on here is we heard a quote from Chuck Fletcher. We heard a couple different quotes from Chuck Fletcher where he mentioned adding the right player, the perfect fit. Do we need the perfect fit right now? Or do we just need somebody that's going to come in, give them the kick in the ass that they need? Does that necessarily mean perfect to you? What do you think, John? I think that that comment is 
he's saying that to kind of like save himself just in case he can't get the deals done that are necessary because then he can go back to that and just be like well the perfect fit wasn't there like i mentioned we were only going to do this if the fit was perfect mm-hmm. what, what's so funny I, i'm laughing at matt casey's uh text in the group chat here he he oh, sent out the right. ASPCA announcement with Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. We're, we're professionals here. Off the rails. Here we go. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, yeah, but anyway. Sorry. I mean, I think that there are, are ideal fits for this team. But I agree with you, Derek, that he just needs to make moves at this point. I I think that the fan base will be happy if this team just looks different next year. Absolutely. What do you think, Hoagie? I'm right there with John. If if there's any type of different aspect to this team, I think we'll all be, in terms, quote-unquote, happy. I mean, I'd love to see Chuck go out and make a splash and get someone big, but I mean, I, I know he's not going to, he, he didn't do it last, last off season. He didn't do it before the trade d- deadline. Thank God, <clears throat> which means he didn't have any, any kind of hope in this team to make the playoffs. But I think, I think his acquisition of Kevin Hayes and AV just going back two years ago, that was his like gearing up saying, let's get this team on the right tracks. And after that, he hasn't done jack, you know what, with it. He's kind of just like throwing wet paper towels at a wall to see if it sticks, and it's just not not happening. I'm I'm tired of just saying I'm he, I'm tired of hearing him say, "Oh, it wasn't the right fit. Oh, we couldn't get that deal. We can get this one deal, that deal done." Mm-hmm. It's at what point does it? Do you say, "What? How are you going to get it done? Get just get it done." You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's right. kind of just become frustrating for fans and I'm sure even reporters at this point too. How about you, Matt Casey? So I look at the perfect fit and I think everyone in the back of their mind, they're like perfect fit. Hey, Dougie Hamilton's on the market. He's a perfect fit. He's a freaking expensive, perfect fit. And I heard he's a bit of a loon, but like, you know what? If we can get Dougie Hamilton, absolutely. Like no doubt about it. But realistically, I was actually the last Flyers-Devils game. I was watching the Devils broadcast, unfortunately, because of where I live. And Bryce Salvador was piecing together a sentence. And he was like, you know, the um, you know the Devils really need a right-handed shot defense. With Dougie Hamilton on the mark. I'm like, okay, we're not the only ones who are like, oh, my God, Dougie Hamilton's here. Right. Look, mm-hmm. what does a perfect fit look like? Was Matt Niskanen, like, when he came on, were we like, oh, my God, here's our number one. You know, here's our here's – our, we need a guy who is going to compliment Provorov and get him back to a level where he's not trying to overcompensate for the lack of whatever Justin Braun was bringing in. God bless Justin Braun for playing his part this year. But I also look at it, and one of the biggest things that's missing, and I know we kind of harped on it a little bit, was – the locker room presence. You look at everyone with a C and an A on their jersey. You have Giroux, uh, uh, Kutz, Provorov, Voracek, and Hayes, I think, like if you do alternates on there. Um, and then, you know, you throw in JBR in there just for, for good taste. I can't even remember how many how they separate that out. Of those guys, like Hayes is the only one who, like, has a voice. Hayes played worse than almost everybody – who wasn't named Nolan Patrick this year. And so, like, okay, so Hayes didn't really – he may have had a voice, but nobody was really listening to him. So he was playing like crap. So it's like you also need a guy who's a little bit of an alpha to come in and also, like, shape that locker room up a bit. And that doesn't need to be the top – the number one most expensive defenseman out there. Like, that can right. be another guy to help fix this culture a little bit. So – I do think the pieces are there. I think they're missing four by my count, but like, you know, we're missing four pieces and a big part of that, um, you know, is going to be a culture fit. Yeah. Right. And they're not necessarily star players. Like perfect fit doesn't mean star. Right. I mean, you look at, 
Pitlick, Grant, and who was the other guy? Thompson. Uh, Tom, Thompson. It's like none of those none of those guys were were you know star players, but you know what? Collectively, they were pretty damn good on the penalty kill. They were brought the quote unquote sandpaper that this team is like dramatically missing, and so you know you got to kind of look at it. It's like okay, you may not make the big splash, but you got to make something that's going to make this team better. And right now, uh, you know that should be the focus of Chuck Fletcher and AV. You're right. I absolutely agree. We're going to get to reflections on this past year and AV's first year with the Flyers here. I want to talk about kind of, you know, how it's trending. Obviously, we know how it's trending. But let's talk about just in general from year to year. Last year, the Flyers had the seventh most goals for per game. They had the seventh least goals against per game. 14th on the power play, 11th on the penalty kill, 16th shots per game, shots allowed. They allowed the least amount of shots last season per game. Their goal differential was a plus 36. Jump to this year. Their goals for per game was 15th. We went over these stats here. They were a negative 37 in goal differential. Shots allowed per game, they were middle of the pack. Uh, Shots per game, they were ninth. There's a drastic change in a lot of these. They were damn near towards the bottom of the league in a lot of these statistical categories. So let's reflect a little bit and let's see if there's anything obvious. Like, let's go to you, John, first. Is there anything glaring to you that we need to change about the approach with this team? In terms of the coaching? I mean, in terms of anything, like one, like coaching, everything involved, what is the one thing that if you could only change one thing, that's what you would change? Oh, Jesus. I mean, I think one of the, the biggest things, I mean, if we're talking about AV, was I feel like as opposed to last year, he could not guide this team through adversity this year. I, right? I mean, year one was not perfect. We remember there were certainly hiccups, but he was able to get them out of that. I feel like there was just one – there was a point in this season where he just lost control mm-hmm. and you found it in his comments during in end of the game pressers where it was like he was incredibly critical about young players, not as critical about the older players. And I think it just his responses divided this locker room and I think it just made it an unpleasant place to be. I mean, they never looked like they were enjoying themselves. They never looked like they were fighting. So I just feel like whatever he was doing that first year to help them feel like a unit and guide them through the tough times was not there. And he became overwhelmed by it. And his responses just got worse and worse, in my opinion. How about you, Hoagie? One thing that you could change if you could out of anything? Just just defense. Defensive play. And I'm going to turn – it's kind of like one big thing, but I'm going to roll it into two defensive play and their takeout or not takeout for I'm losing the word here. Their turn of play going mm. up the ice. Mm. Transitional play. Transitional play. Thank you. It's just both of those aspects of this team were detrimental in so many ways where it cost them way too many goals. And that's why they got, scored on and lost so many games i mean we had leads late in third periods and it came down to bad defense and just bad transitional plays it it was just terrible to watch it it needs to be corrected next year if they want to do anything anything relevant in the standings Mm -hmm. same question matt casey i think it comes down to competitiveness um, and, you know, that can encapsulate a, a ton of different elements in Hoagie. Some of the stuff that you talked about certainly falls in there. But you look out, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, like, how many times were we down in the first period and chasing games? And how much easier is it, you know, I think that it's like 70-plus percent of the time the team who scores the first goal ends up winning the game. And so I think it's just the overall competitiveness and then how do you – get competitiveness well you know there's tons of different elements there's the team defense and i'm not just going to put this on one right-handed shot defenseman it is a team defensive effort which includes back checking which includes efforts by forwards which includes like 
goaltending making saves when they need it. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that needs to go in there, but I think that the competitiveness and the standard of competitiveness that, in all honesty, I thought Claude Giroux showed it, and I'm just, like, confused on why the hell other people didn't show that. And so that's the one thing I would change is the team competitiveness. Okay. That's a little thing. It's a good note. (laughs) Everybody brings up great points. You know, the team lacked the competitive nature that you would expect to see. The defense was atrocious. The accountability, you know, let's talk about leashes here. I'm not talking about dogs. We're not going to get into that again because we just got way too sidetracked with it before <laughs> with the whole pet thing. But no. with let's talk about the young players because we John mentioned it. I want to expand on that point if you would just shut the hell up here for a second. Um, we've noticed the post-game comments that AV has made. And in your mind, Matt Casey, are you concerned that it seems like AV is a bit more, I want to say quicker to pull the trigger, good or bad, with these younger guys than he is the older guys? Yeah, I I would say I am concerned, but at the same time, you look at the guys who were performing for this team, and I think Coots, G, JBR, although I think he front-loaded his effort, um, and then I look at you know, somebody like Jake Voracek, who I, I just don't I don't want to see him in a Flyers uniform anymore. I'm, I'm just sort of done. Um, but those guys were actually the top performing guys out there night in and night out. And I think it did show the level of professionalism that they have. The exception to that comes into Kevin Hayes, where I'm like, why the hell did you leave him in for so long? And I, I just I was so frustrated with him. I know Hayes is frustrated with himself. Uh, but you compare that with somebody like Konecki, who didn't have a great year. Faraby, who may have gotten benched for a game. He may, maybe at yeah. some point during the season. But, like, you know, he's the glory story this year, and, like, rightly so. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there is a, a bit of a concern there. And how, you know, my biggest qualm with Davey is that he didn't adapt his coaching style due to unprecedented circumstances this year. Um, and whether that's with the players or with the systems or with the way he treats the, uh, um, you know, the press conferences. How about you, Hoagie? What are you feeling this way? In terms of the players, I think AV, going back to what John said, he didn't hold his older players, his veterans, accountable whatsoever. And I think he attacked his younger players a little too, bit too much that it kind of set them back to how they were playing. I mean, Konechny was our leading goal, our leading point scorer at the time, and he benched him, like, what, 10 games in the season? Like, that was that was just kind of a shock to the entire fan base. So I feel like he's got to – got to – I'm trying to think of a word to say. He's kind of – he's got to centralize it and hold everybody accountable, regardless of how you're playing, regardless of what you're doing. It just – just kind of man up and tell this team like he did when we brought him here to be a freaking flyer and compass, encompass the fire mentality and just go out there and play your game and play, play as a team, stick up for each other. There's way too many times that this team just did not, did not do that whatsoever. So I think he's going to, he's got to centralize everybody under one umbrella, not old guys versus young guys. Like that, that's going to rip the locker room apart more mm-hmm. than any. Of course. How about you, John? What are you thinking, man? Well, I mean, I think the base, biggest example for me, and I think the one that rubbed me the wrong way the most, was Carter Hart. I mean, this was clearly somebody who was struggling both on the ice, and I think he got into his own head. And you just noticed, even when he started to have good games, A.V. would just be like, yeah, I mean, he's a young goaltender. We played well in front of him. Like, he just never kind of gave him his due, but he was also very quick to just be like, well, he just wasn't at his best. And I think that you have to be able to just be tactful about those things. You know, understand that saying that, if he hears it, it's not going to have the positive effect. 
you know, know your player. I, I don't, I have never talked to Carter Hart and I can tell you that he's somebody who probably just does not respond well to that. So I just think, you know, kind of, if you're going to have an approach, have that approach with every player in the locker room, you know, if you're going to call somebody out, call everybody out when they, when they deserve it. And I just didn't see that. So I don't know. All right, so one last parting gift for you guys. We talked about the benchings of some of the younger players. We saw it with Farabee, Konechny, and all that. Nolan Patrick played damn near every game. Is that a counterpoint, or is that just an anomaly? <laughs> Nolan Patrick is an anomaly. I don't understand that. I just that's for another episode. Like we're not going to get right. into the whole Nolan Patrick yeah, BS right now. Yeah, but you're right though, right? I mean, you're right. It's like he held all these other young players accountable, but it's like, I mean, Nolan Patrick should have been riding the bench the whole season. I'm saving that when you said that you're right. I'm going to play that over and over again tonight because I don't get all to right. hear that very I, well, often. Well, I have been nicer. I have been nicer <laughs> to you. I don't recently. Feel like sleep. You have. Like I, I'm surprised. No, I really am surprised, and I'm I'm grateful. Thank you for admitting that I'm right when I actually am right. But anyways, we want to move on to our last point here for the night. Let's talk about the rest of the coaching staff because Lord knows there's enough blame to go around. There's absolutely enough blame to go around. With this, we're going to make this really short. I just want one thing that you would do to address the rest of the coaching staff. So, John, kick it off. Let's hear it. Fire an assistant. It's got you. Got to fire one of them. I vote Tarion at this point. I, I've just never really liked Tarion, but I think you need fresh eyes. I think you have so many older, you know, seasoned coaches. Get a younger guy in there, maybe an AHL guy, someone to provide a little bit different perspective. I'm not going to fool you and say I have a name because I don't. But I just feel like you know you, people are like, oh, Rick Tockett, and all of that's great. But I think we just have too many, too much of that already in the coaching staff. Get somebody new in there to kind of provide something different. I like that. How about you, Hoagie? Um, I think two two guys have to go. I like I like Terry and going, and I think a name and face that has been around for way too long is mm-hmm. Le- he's got to go. He's spent his time behind that bench. It makes no sense. Like he's seen what three or four different head coaching changes. Mm-hmm. As an assistant coach, yep. Why isn't he? Why isn't he leaving? I like. I, I'm just like baffled every time I see him behind the bench. I'm like, why? Why is it still a thing? Um, I also did see something earlier. I forget who it was, but someone is not bringing back a goaltending coach within the NHL. I forget which team it is. I forget the name of it. And apparently, he's one of the like the highest tenured, greatest goaltending coaches. And I'm kind of like. On the air of caution, maybe we should bring him in to kind of pump up Carter Hart's confidence in the way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at at, at, at this point. It's intriguing. Dillaball's not a bad coach, but, I mean, if anything's going to get through to Carter Hart, I feel like it needs to be something. Uh, Matt Casey, how about you? Uh, I was going back and forth. I, I do think a change needs to happen. Um, I don't think AB's going, but I and, – and I don't think he should. Like a year ago or a year – plus ago he was a jack adams finalist and we were pissed that he didn't get the jack adams award like you know so let's you know let's keep that on an average he's he's doing okay at this point but um <laughs> i do think that um uh, if i had to choose I'd, I'd go with terry i think you got to get a fresh set of eyes on that power play in particular um and you know it, the 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 man down um the man down team under Yo, they were shorthanded. They were the worst in the league. I think that is something that is fixable. Fixable. The power play arguably had the same roster of people on there and was atrocious and also gave up a ton of shorthanded goals. And so I'm a, a um, I think you got to shake one of them up. You got to get a fresh set of eyes. You got to get some people who can develop guys in real time on the NHL level. Right, and if your team defense sucks, most likely your PK is going to suck too. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. To that point, last year they were 11th in the league in PK. This year, 30th. Their power play has stayed. It was 14th last year, 19th this year. So at least somewhat mediocre, if you want to put it that way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm with you. I think Tarion needs to go. Um, you know, I've said before, like, I don't ever advocate for someone to lose their job, but man, something needs to to happen here and it's got to be some type of shakeup in a capacity where it's going to make some type of impact. So with that being said, folks, this is the end. John, don't sing. Shut your mouth until I tell you to open it. But anyways, this has been a, a fantastic episode, Matt. I'm really Sounds happy. Like something somebody told me in prison once. I've heard that too. I get it. But no, no, we covered a lot of a lot of topics here. I'm really glad that we had a bunch of different opinions. This was actually a really good episode for that. So let's kick things off real quick, or at least shut things down. Hoagie, let everybody know where they can find you on uh, the social media platforms. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Hoags. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm there every once in a while. It's a ring kind endorsement. Of, <laughs> I kind of, of stepped back because of all the toxicity that had had been Flyers Twitter. I just, I, I just couldn't couldn't take it anymore. I was like, as it was just bad. I mean, now Stanley Cup final, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are back, and I'm just kind of right back into it now even though the fires are out kind of it's me hard but I'll, I'll be tweeting about the playoffs as they go perfect how about you matt casey yeah you can find me on twitter on uh i on orange e-y-e on orange and um you know we'll uh we'll keep things up to date and while we're not in the playoffs at least pittsburgh lost today so that's uh that's pleasant so. you know i struggle right with that boys really quick so i'm living where i'm living with the in-laws that i have mm. Don't uh, don't hate me for this, but I'm actually kind of hoping Pittsburgh wins this round. Get off. Be- I'm just saying. Get out. I had a my brother-in-law goes. What time is your team playing? I'm like, name four people on the Islanders. You joke. <laughs> <laughs> name so, four people who would be on there next year. Like, <laughs> they, they shot the shot their wad this year. I'm actually drinking an Islanders beer. There you go. Oyster Bay Brewery. That, I've gone there. Yeah. That's a good spot. Oh. Yeah. I, given it to, to me by my future sister-in-law that's kind of down there right now. And I was like, all right, cool. Hockey podcast, hockey beer. Let's do it. Nice. I like it. No, I mean, so, John, you know the spiel here. Let everybody know where they can find us. Mm. Yep, so you can find us on all your various podcast listening receptacles, including, um, uh, what do they call that one? Apple Podcasts, yeah, Spotify. Yeah, the bigger one, you know. Yep, um, Sp- Spree Stitcher, Stitcher, one of those. there you go. Stitcher, yep. Um, shit. <laughs> I don't know, Google This is like my favorite part of the of episode. Just Google us. We're every on, week, he always we're, screws it up. We're on all of them for the most part. <laughs> so just Google us. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're not listening on one of those, then you've already got the Funkadelic ones. I don't know. Yeah, Overcast, that type of stuff. You know where to find us. Like John sure. said, just Google right. us. Now, you can find me on Twitter at PodStreetBob. You can find John on Twitter at PodStreetGove. You can find the PodStreetBullies on Twitter at PodSTBullies. You can find our written work at PodSTBullies.com. That is it for us, folks. Until next week, I will leave you as I have always left you with the Let's Go Flyers. Bye now. Hey guys, this is Derek with the Pod Street Bullies. Let's talk about Soiree and Company. So, Soiree and Company is a company that, you know, my sister in law actually just came up with, and she's starting her own venture here into the business world. It's a full service event planning company that is committed to making once in a lifetime moments a memorable experience. Through a collaborative planning and detailed research process, Soiree and Co. connects you with the trusted vendors to guarantee a stress free celebration birthday bashes, weddings, baby showers, and more. Soiree & Co. will turn your dreams into a reality. She, because I was at one of these events that she threw for Mother's Day for my wife, her mother, my mother-in-law, and my sister-in-law, who's a mother as well. It was fantastic. 
spread had all these different types of things for brunch fruit scones muffins bagels i mean it was incredible my wife loved the mimosas soiree and co has their own website if you go to www.soireeevents.com or connect on facebook or instagram at soiree co events soiree spelled s-o-i-r-e-e check those guys out her name is sam samantha cox c-o-x check her out i can vouch for it swear to god awesome stuff you guys throwing a party that's who you want to talk to she'll find everybody you need for those parties after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward medela is the mark of a fighter you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight the better the reward you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 